out here catching bitches while bitches be catching feelings. It's Mormon and the meth head. That one didn't even make sense. That's uh, that's just my rap game. No. <laughs> I just think I, I I'm not made at. It. I don't think I don't think there's an infinite amount of Mormon and the meth head jokes. We're gonna have to like have some variation in the lineup. It's Mormon and the meth head. If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. So read our friends, listen to them talking to Mike. Your eyes are all red. You think uh, your your eyes are red and you're really giggly right now. You think I secretly smoke pot? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be giggly. I would be like, I'm, I'm an idiot. Huh? I'd be self-conscious. That's something actually someone told me today. I was telling a story in which someone asked if I was drunk, and the person I was telling the story to was like, "Oh, that's such a drunk thing to ask." Like that, drunk people assume that who they're talking to is also drunk. I think that's when I remember doing acid and thinking. I could just, I was like, everyone is on acid when they do everything. <laughs> it just makes perfect sense. Huh, why is that? I think like when you buy a car. <laughs> Never mind, that wasn't going to make any sense. I was going to say, <laughs> when you buy a car, you suddenly notice that car everywhere on the road. But mm. that's because that car actually exists. And this mm. that you're talking about doesn't exist. So I'm here if you need any other like real bad <laughs> Connections made. <laughs> All right, good. Glad to know that we have you. Glad to have you on board. You have not dissuaded <laughs> my initial opinion that okay, you are high. Simple. This is pretty similar to if I was high. Only except for now I would excuse myself to the bathroom where I would just go drown in my own self-consciousness for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> Uh, do I sound like Stevie Nicks? Do you know who Stevie Nicks is? What did you smoke while I was gone? Why did you just smoke with me? I don't get it. I don't know why you have to uh, uh, lie about it. I'll, I don't I'll, I'll love weed. you. I'll love you no matter what. It's so weird. It's like So before we record a podcast, Jessa is... Uh, <laughs> pretty pushy about me getting high like i did i i didn't want to get high she just made me do it and now i'm wondering it's because you need me to leave <laughs> so that you can no, get high no i didn't high. anticipate that you brought up half of your supplies to smoke weed i just want you to stay awake Oh, okay. Have I, so, you say that as if I'm like constantly narcoleptin <laughs> out in the middle of podcast recordings. You're just like, listen, I don't want to repeat of that last episode <laughs> where, where I just went. And then, uh, I don't know, I guess thinking about my ex-wife. <laughs> oh my God, I'm howling right now and you can't even tell because I'm sick or I'm... Uh, just got over being sick, so it's, it's in the background. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, I hate to tell you that's not what howling was gonna sound. <laughs> it's just so weird. You're like, I'm howling right now, but then immediately caught yourself, and you're like, uh, but you just can't hear it because uh, I'm I'm howling. No, at that's a what I was trying to only- say. Is that I'm I'm you you, you can't hear my howl. <laughs> that's what I thought you meant. Oh my god! Uh, I have like four minutes of me just making a complete idiot. Me just tossing you home runs. <laughs> it's just nice. No, nice. Hold on, tossing a home run. Is that how you say it? No, but I, I felt you said tossing up. Like I that I felt like you said it good enough. I know everyone knew what you meant. I said tossing you a home run. I thought you said tossing up home runs. No, were I, was the it, other one good? 
No, I mean, I <laughs> have I said anything? Neither were good. Worth the shit. <laughs> um, God, I'd okay. like it if you, I think I think I'd like it better if you started getting high. <laughs> Uh, I started getting high. I just uh, carried the podcast. Oh my fucking god, Jessa! I was I was at the I was at the park, and uh, Ethan climbed up this tree, and I was taking pictures of him up in the tree. I was just like trying to get it. I mean, it was beautiful. I was trying to get right. the right picture, and then this other kid was like, "How high are you?" And I looked, and I just turned like, "Fuck you." <laughs> Because I'm taking pictures of my son? Like, what the fuck? Aren't you, like, seven? Get the fuck out. And then Ethan up in the tree was like, like, 15 high. <laughs> and then that kid was like, oh, cool. Uh, and I was like, yo, I might be high. <laughs> you thought you were getting roasted by a second grader? Yeah, I was like, yo, fuck. I was ready. To, I was ready to go to town on this kid. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Oh my god! Okay. <laughs> you changed my mind about people that smoke weed. Oh, did I? Yeah. You're the only person I have ever known that I like better high. Is that true? I think Morgan Preston might be uh, just a, mm. a smidge less intense mm-hmm. when he's high. But I... <laughs> For all those people that were like, I love me a Morgan Preston, <laughs> but he's just a smidge too intense. <laughs> well, you should try Morgan Preston High. Morgan Preston High comes with everything you loved about the original Morgan Preston. <laughs> Just a smidge less intense. I wish you guys could see how fucking hard his legs are crossed right now. <laughs> it's pretty fucking crossed. <laughs> uh, it's like 180 degrees. Uh, Just our lips wrapped no, around each other. Okay. Uh-huh. It's adorable. Uh, yeah, well, because look, I just look, laugh. I laugh the entire time you're high. I don't have to smoke pot. I just need you to smoke pot, and then I get to just laugh until I cry. Very good. You have given me a <laughs> complex, though, where I feel like <laughs> I'm just not good enough sober. <laughs> like, I have to get high for every podcast. I can't, you can't just let me just do this one <laughs> as me for who I am. You always, you don't really love me. You love high, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this, uh, even I right now know like how much our listeners are missing by the fact that we don't have like a video recording this. It's, it's the head that was everything in that. The head, is- the, head the looking up at the light, like people. Oh, we should God. we should video these. I should get a uh, yeah, just a oh, <laughs> fuck yeah, dude! Like we all got like video cameras like right in our hands. <laughs> oh fuck, man! I'm Definitely not trying to be. I'm trying to be the people that you don't like. Do I? <laughs> um, I love the sunshine. I love the heat. We just got. Um, <gasps> we're we're in Arizona, and while I don't think I like Arizona. <laughs> We drove through it, and I was like, I'm a little freaked out by how large and empty this entire place is. Uh, I like it. It's nice to be warm. and su- This is something that I do look forward to about moving to Los Angeles. I think that I will like living in a nice, warm climate and hate maybe everything else. <laughs> really? I love everything about L.A. I don't like the traffic, but I live in Glendale. So I don't have to mess with the traffic too much. I don't actually mind traffic because I like being in the car. But um, I don't know why I, I hate it so much. I drive nonstop for work. I'll drive thirteen hours to go to a gig. I like to be but moving. It's thir- yeah, yeah, it's it's efficient. If you're sitting still for an hour, I'm like, wait, why am I doing this? Why am I here? I get very claustrophobic real fast and just get so yeah. Uh, being antsy. in the car uh, is like the the time where I don't have to 
because I'm just constantly, my brain is grinding on shit 24-7. And being in the car where I'm not forced to be doing anything else is the perfect place for me to be doing that if I don't have someone else in the car that needs me to uh, be engaged. And so. That's true. That's true. You just can't find parking. I feel like my friend, you have a, a parking spot in your apartment. Yeah. That's nice. I have other friends who their entire life is about moving their car. You know, they're like, that it all revolves on where they parked and they have to know all the rules about what side of the street you can park on at which time of the day because when is the trash coming and like when is yeah. like, you're not allowed to about, park here where are you going to get New this York. or that and like they had to they tell each other like huh, <laughs> like honey honey I had to park the car seven blocks away so you need to set your alarm a little earlier tomorrow so that you have enough time to walk to the car you know there's uh that's that seems like it's really just ethan that's it yeah, that's all I that I, that's all that i don't that's every i would have moved to la by now uh i just moving to la means seeing my son so much less and i feel like i already don't see him enough and i am already very upset about it and i am just gonna get more upset about it <laughs> all right so there's some things that i want to say to you that will ultimately make you happier in this transition to la but i know that they are going to be immediately rejected and just seeds that are planted that uh hopefully help you uh, in the future. Uh, well, go ahead then. The, uh, but you might not like me for the rest of the day. I already don't. <laughs> you've, you've, you've brought, you've danced around this subject for a while. Like you're not danced around. You, you just, every now and then you say a little something. So Wait I feel like I haven't, I feel yeah. like I have an idea of what's coming. Yeah. I don't feel when like we, you're going to say anything, uh, brand new. When we very first became, uh, friends, there was like, so you just let me, uh, talk to you about so many like super traumatic things in your life. And then I got kind of ahead of myself and just boldly kicked open this door. And yeah, this was right after well. Big Sky. Yeah. And I was, and, uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah, do you remember what you said? What it was? You said something. And I was like, um, I'm not going to talk to you for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I, was like, I, I, exactly. I got, I got to leave. Uh, I'm going to uh, go. I am going to say it again. <laughs> I'm going to say it better. Number one, uh, attachment is not suddenly virtuous because it's your kid. Attachment still causes nothing but fear and pain and clouds your decision making. And it is not suddenly a, a good brand of love because it is your child. The next one is I would like to talk a little bit about step families it's fascinating to me this is what these are one of the mormon things that are so is so interesting to me because in the 80s everyone's parents were divorced so every everyone i it, it was rare you were probably rare in your school and that your parents were still together people probably thought that was cool right uh, I if, of all the things that people thought <laughs> not cool, but like what your parents are so, like the few people that I know whose parents like my sisters are your age. It's the whole reason I was popular at high school. So yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, Aaron, Aaron Woodall, the kid whose parents are still together. <laughs> Fuck, we gotta invite him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, eat a dick. Um. But my 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 uh, my parents were only together until I was two, and then they moved to opposite sides of the country. And when I was eight, they all started. They remarried, and they all had more kids. And then, but my step parents were around. My stepmom was friends with my real mom when when my dad and mom were still together. So my, I remember my stepmom as long as I remember my dad. And when I, my mom was gone for a few years. And then when I went back to live with my mom, my stepdad was in the picture for as long, basically as long as I knew her. And my, my stepmom or my mom wasn't 
real nice. But my stepdad was great and he was kind of a comfort in that house. And so my step-parents were parents. They weren't the parents. I never called them mom and dad because uh, there were times I wish I could just because I, I, I felt different than my siblings. Once my siblings came along, things changed quite a bit. It was harder for me to feel like I was a part of the actual family unit because I lived on opposite coasts. So a lot of times I would spend nine months at one place and three months at the other. And when I would get to the other coast, they would have moved or my room would be moved around. Things that were kind of disorienting for me, hard for me to feel like I was part of one or the other. But the bond with the step-parents is a lot of what made me feel like I was a part of that unit. And one thing my parents nailed was interacting with my step-parents, with the other, with their ex's spouse in a way that made me feel like I had one big family. Where if I knew that my mom hated uh, Kathy, I would feel obligated to not like Kathy. And even if she didn't say, I hate Kathy, even if I just never saw them interact. So there was a thing yesterday where something happened and I had uh, uh, mentioned it to my dad and then uh, by the time I talked to my mom, my mom's like, yeah, Kathy called me about that. Like, that's how my family uh, is. And it's of all of the shit that sucked in my childhood, the thing that was always very close to my heart was the way that my step parents treated me like their child. It never, it never, ever, ever was like this person replaces my mom or my dad ever. My, because of my relationship with my mom was tumultuous and the relationship with my stepmom was also tumultuous at times when I was a teenager. Uh, but like the dads, I loved my dad. I loved my dad. I really loved my stepdad. I had a great relationship with both of them. My stepdad never, ever, ever replaced my dad. They weren't in the same, but he was very important to me. And when they got in the same town, when my dad came to town for my birthday, my dad and my stepdad partied together. And that meant so much to me that when I became a stepmother, my number one priority was to make my stepson's mom feel loved and feel like she was my friend to make sure that she never felt left out of anything. We did birthday parties all together. I'm his stepmom. I know that, you know, never infringed, never overset my bounds, uh, respected that sometimes it had to be hard, especially when he lived with us more than her to, to, I, I never wanted to, I'm just here to, uh, take care of things when you're not, and but you're his mom I made sure to uh buy her presents or help you know get him on Amazon to buy her presents for her birthday and Mother's Day and everything else make sure that she felt loved and that meant so much to him that we all work together as a family and that we've lived across the country from each other for a lot of that but to have him know that uh we she's Does she not, work with you yeah I had to start it. This is all stuff that, yeah, well. Yeah. It was, and it was awkward. Shit. It was, yeah, it was awkward. Um, But it's, we are all family. So you know how there's like, there are people I would never, there are people in my family I would never hang out with or tolerate their shit, but they're my family. So I tolerate their shit, right? Like they just, the, the level of acceptance that I have for their quirks and their bullshit is just way higher because you're my family. So I'm not going to pay attention to things I don't like because you're my family. Um, this is Ethan's family now. And I think that this is a great example of things you can change and things you can't change. And when you refuse to accept something that you can't change, it's almost like there's a part of you that thinks if you don't accept it, it ceases to exist. Or if uh, it's not a valid thing to you that, it, that you don't have to accept it, but you're the one feeling alienated and you're the one feeling excluded and feeling like people want to push you out 
where if you just assimilated and accepted this person's your family, just that energetically, just that would change so much vibe and tone that you would be getting so much more of what you want. If I tricked myself into telling myself I liked this situation. I just, it feels. You don't have to like it. No, you, you have to no, accept you, That's it. what you're saying though. That's what, that's, it's a, it's a mental game. You're like, you hate this. It feels wrong to you. And so because you hate it, you feel alienated and pushed away. If you just told yourself that you liked it, that this is, and accepted it and said, this is, this is okay. This is great. Stop fighting against it. I'm okay with it. I'm not going to fight against it then uh you won't feel alienated or or pushed away uh but then i feel like uh it's uh then they win and they don't get to they shouldn't get to win they did terrible uh mean things they shouldn't get to win uh i shouldn't have to uh for, get in line with with what they've with what they've done why did they, they did. why don't they why don't they get in line with what I want? This is that locking into justice. Uh you win. You win in this scenario when you accept that this is the reality. They did things that uh feel like they were done to you. When in reality they just did what they thought made sense and they thought that you were being irrational. And they thought that you were lying about your reasons. And that's all very clear to, to me. This is one of those situations where they handled something uh, shitty, but it was during a very emotional time. And they were maybe selfish. Well, if we're going to talk about yeah, it, do you let's talk, get well, into we're going to talk about it. Let's talk about okay. it. Okay. I don't know, wasn't sure if we covered it on the podcast. I guess we haven't. No, I've left it out because I feel like I've tried to be really nice to Tabitha on this podcast because I don't feel like it's uh i don't want to just sit here and tell like my side of the, of things and uh okay perfect and make I'll her, tell her and side. make her and make her seem uh shitty and stuff and uh i like I, like i just said earlier i feel like i came to terms with a lot of the stuff about her and i and feel like she's right and i can talk about my pain in a past sense in those in those instances but this is a very I don't know, current thing still. She, we had a, we had a rule that, that Ethan wasn't going to meet anyone for three months. You'd have, you'd have to date someone for three months before Ethan met them. The, she immediately, immediately broke that rule and lied about it and got caught lying about it. And we had a fight about it. And then later... Uh, she broke it again with Todd immediately. They they started dating and immediately he was hanging out with Ethan. And Ethan's the one that told me. Ethan was the one who was like, I have, I was playing with blah, blah, blah. And I was like, who is that? And Tabitha was standing right there and she's like, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. And then she tells me about this, the, this guy she's dating. And... Like we again have a fight about it, and it was like that's that's not okay. And she was like, "Yeah, but I don't care," uh, and just tried to tell me about how great Todd is and stuff. And I was like, "I that's great, but I don't care." Uh, and so then this was like a continuous battle for the next then like three months, where I'd be like, "You this you're breaking the rule that we had," and she was like, "Yeah, but you know I already broke it, so I'll just keep breaking it." And I'm like, "Stop." Uh, I found out like from Ethan again that like he was then spending nights at Todd's house, which we had never talked. I was like, what? Then, uh, I found out that Todd was, was, uh, sleeping over at their house a lot and that it was causing problems for Ethan. Ethan wasn't, wouldn't, didn't want to sleep in his own bed anymore. He would wake up throughout the night and try to get into, uh, bed with his mom, uh, because Todd was fucking there. And yeah. uh, 
so like these are things that I see like the whole reason I had this rule was because I mean our son is freaking out our son already every time we switch him off like when we get he he is throwing he was three at the time and would would cling would just hold on to my neck while his mom pulled him off and would just cry and scream and ask me why like he he was trying to grasp every time that he was with me he was asking me about like when are we like you know when are we with mom again i want something the three of us he would say that all the time i want it to be the three of us and this is how far Uh, into the divorce this is very early on yeah this is all um we are not yet divorced right like we just she just moved out she moved out at the at the end of may and then todd came into the picture november is so we're we're six months down the road uh yeah and Anyway, like our, this, I I want this rule there because our son is struggling. This rule is supposed to protect it. This rule is supposed to limit the amount of uncertainty in his life. There's already a lot of change going on. Like he is not yet used to mom and dad not sleeping in the same bed. He's got to like give him some time to wrap his mind around that. Now you're already sleeping in the same bed with someone else while he's there. And I mean, I, I, I fucked a lot. I, 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 I fucked a lot. I didn't never need to fuck while I had my son. Like you've got so much gut. If you need more time to fuck, then give me my son for a little bit more time. How about that? How about you give me my son for a week and you can fuck Todd all week long. You can, you can fuck as much as you want. Have fun. Why, why does he need to be there when our son is there? Why does why does our son have to uh, to talk to me about this stuff? Like, just give it a second. Like, give it a sec. Who is this guy? I don't know. I don't know who Todd is. I'm like, and you've you've known him for two weeks, and you're certain he's going to be a part of our son's life. Uh, It's uh, if he's so important. If you're so certain that he's the love of your life, that he's everything you needed me to be that I wasn't. If you're so certain that he is going to be around forever and make you so happy, then what the fuck is wrong with waiting a month to introduce him to a child who is still wrapping his mind around his world? Who doesn't give a fuck about you or your boy? Like, he's three. He's three, and he cares about himself. That's it. Like, she told me, she told me that, like, these are the two people that I love most in the world. First of all, fuck you. That hurts. That hurts a lot. You're like, when I, when this was like in the fight where I'm like, why, why are you still spending so much time with them together? Like, why don't you just spend do you know how hard it is ethan ethan to go with having his mom every single day to not having her every single day to only having her you know uh four days a week or whatever that's that's hard on him he used to have you every single day and now on the days that he does have you he has to share you with someone else and that's hard for him and you then she comes back with, well, like, these are the two people that I love most in the world. And so I want uh, them to be together. Why can't I spend time with them together? And I'm like, well, that's selfish on your part. That's that's selfish. On your- I get it. Sure. Yeah, it would be great if you could have all the people you loved uh, together at once. But Ethan doesn't care. Ethan doesn't give a shit about who you love. Ethan cares about himself because he's three years old and he wants his mom. He wants his mom and he wants his dad and he doesn't give a fuck about Todd, any Todd, anyone. I don't, I, I, uh, Ethan doesn't give a fuck about uh, anyone else because he's three. So wait a month, wait a month and be sure that this guy is sticking around. Be sure that he's, that he, and, and then be sure that Ethan's okay and then do it. But by the time we had gotten to that three month mark, they were already talking. They were already living together. She moved in with him. She moved in with him, uh, and uh, then they, yeah. 
don't know. They've uh, they've been they've been together, and I just I wanted these rules to protect Ethan, and it was stressing me out and freaking me out. And yes, I also was am in love with her. And yes, it was it was, it hurt to be replaced that fast. It's made my head spin. It was so painful to just be so easily replaced. Like it, it didn't even take long to find the literally the next person was better than I was. And that's uh that hurts. And I didn't uh react very well and I don't think I behaved very well. And I it was at a time when we were still talking a lot. You know, we were we were dumb and we were still trying to talk, even though every single time we spoke, we just screamed at or I screamed. We just were mean to each other. She was just mean in uh, with less volume, which apparently is some sign of virtue in this world. If you have a loud voice, then you're a very mean and awful person. Uh, And one day we had to go file taxes together. We had to file jointly. And I sit next to her for an hour in this accountant's office and just act like everything's okay. And I did a pretty great job. And I can't even remember, but I just was like, it came from an unhealthy place, whatever I said. It was my fault where I like wanted to have some sort of painful conversation in the parking lot or whatever. And she said, damn, I wish I could remember what she said. But it was like, I don't give a fuck about you. Oh, I remember what it was. It was like I I had been, I was feeling really depressed like a, a week before and uh, I called her to talk to her about it. And uh, I just left a voicemail. I thought like in my uh, voicemail, in my mind, it sounded nice. I was just like, hey, uh, like uh, I was having a bad day. Just felt like calling you. Uh, just felt like I thought maybe it would make me feel better to talk or whatever. And, you know sorry i know that's not your responsibility i feel i said all this stuff in the voicemail and then she took stuff that i said in the voicemail and the, in the parking lot was like yeah you shouldn't it is not my responsibility i don't care and something just clicked where i was like she doesn't care about you man it's over stop trying it's over man it's over and i it was that's a a good realization i needed to come to uh but in a parking lot in front of her. It's like, I wish I had done it on my own. Uh, so I, cause I just started crying. I started crying hard and I just immediately walked away from her because I didn't want her to see, I feel like she's seen me cry enough. She doesn't yeah. need, she, like, I don't need to give her any more power. So I walk away. Then I come back. I'm still crying though, but I just get in the car with Ethan and drive home. But because of that, she decided that, uh, it wasn't safe for me to have Ethan anymore. And that I feel like I wasn't that crazy. I I see where you're coming from a little bit, but I wasn't crazy enough. Like because I because you told me you didn't love me, and then I cried. Uh, you you don't think that I am capable of having Ethan anymore? And so she decided that uh, I wasn't going to be allowed to have Ethan until she said otherwise. And I had and I talked to her and I was like that's you can't make that decision you can't do that and she just said I am I'm doing it though I'm doing it because this is what you need and what Ethan needs uh you're too uh mentally unstable to take care of Ethan and uh she did and she just she just you know said like this is the power i'm exercising it this is what i say and what i say goes and all of it was just this weird gaslighting thing where it's all just about how like so the if i got upset about how i didn't have ethan it was an example of why i shouldn't have ethan like if i got upset that she's being a a unilateral bitch about all this stuff and not even talking to me about it she's like yeah uh see how upset you are this is why uh you uh, are mentally unstable and i was just like uh get fucked 
because I what I I have I was very I was mentally unstable. I was mentally unstable, and you didn't give a shit until now. Like with this is now uh like almost a year after she left when this happens. Right. And I I have I have improved greatly. But like when you first when you when you first left, you just left. You left because you like you needed time to think. So did I. And I had to do all my thinking with our son. I I had to take care of our son while you went on like road trips with new fucking friends that you made and while you uh went around and and fucked people and you know like it just I I was there taking care of our son and you didn't give two shits about my mental stability back then. There were there were nights when I when I fell asleep. I fell asleep holding a uh, a knife because I could I was I thought about suicide until I put myself to sleep. I I thought I just sat there and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. The sun is coming up. I I I wake up with still this kitchen knife in my hand and I remember god damn it you got dark last night. I I went to sleep uh, in the back bathtub one night because i had like been running my the water over top of my head uh and you where the fuck was this concern you didn't give a shit you didn't give a shit if i was mentally unstable you were doing your own thing you took your time to think and take your personality quizzes and find out if you were an infj and to see if you uh, uh you know what kind of uh lifestyle you should leave and now that you've got todd and you and todd's got a house that you're moving into now I'm mentally unstable. It just feels like, and sure, I'm projecting, sure, but I just want you to understand that uh, it, from what it looked like to me, it looked like an arbitrary time for you to start uh, uh, caring. It seemed like, uh, and that's at best, at worst, it seems like a very calculated thing where you guys are starting your new family and you're cutting me out of it. And they and and she she wouldn't let me have him. She told me when I could have him. I could have him for like one day a week. I went through uh, five weeks where I saw my son five days over a five week period. Um, and the only reason it stopped was because I I went out and I got a lawyer. I got a lawyer and uh, we immediately filed for divorce because because we had there were no there was no paperwork or anything right. to, I this is also oh yeah because we were going to we were supposed to be doing it with uh by ourselves we were going to not have lawyers to say because we're poor so right. we and we were like yeah we can peer mediate we can do this together but she kept saying she was doing all the paperwork and it had been months that I had been waiting on stuff and I kept asking her like well What's next? What's the next step? Uh, can I help? We had talked about this at the accountant that day. I was like, well, can, do you want to, can we write something to get, like, why are you the one that's writing it all and then send it to me for approval? And she was just giving me stuff about like, well, I don't think we can work together very well. I don't think, I don't trust us. I think I should just do it. And I'm like, all right, well, can you do it? And so I'm very suspicious. I feel like they're not doing it. They're, she's Before she files paperwork, she wants to have establish some sort of cause that I'm fucking nuts and can't have my son. I This is all me. This is, She didn't say anything about this, so it could just be me projecting. I get that, but I was, it, this is what I was scared of. It seemed like they were they wanted that it was all calculated and that it was to be against me. And I... I had to get my own lawyer and file for divorce and ask for 50-50. Then she has a certain number of days to respond. I can't remember what that window is. Mm -hmm. And she just never responded, never responded, never responded. I was in Portland. Uh, I was going to do a show for Jeremiah Coughlin that night. And I was out like trail running or something, getting some exercise. And I got an email from uh, my lawyer, Peter Alfred Kern, <laughs> attorney at law. Anyone uh, needs a good guy. He's great. Very funny. Uh, he's ve <laughs> and he's very funny. Um, and he said, hey, she filed her response. It was the last day that she could. And he was like, I just want you to know you're not going to like it. Uh, I just want to tell you that this is going to upset you, but I, I promise you this is all boilerplate stuff. 
uh, there's nothing like this is all just bullshit. Don't worry about it. And I read the email and uh, the first thing, the first thing in her response is that there's is that she's seeking full custody. In my, with the thing, when me uh, and my lawyer, uh, Peter Alfred Kern, uh, <laughs> submitted what we thought was a very reasonable uh, thing, it was just like, we're going to be 50 50. We're going to do, like, everything was joint custody. Right. And then she, in her response, she's seeking full custody, uh, sole, sole uh, legal custody. And which is interesting because that's extremely hard to get. You would basically have to have been seen shooting crack in front of your kids. No, shoot crack. Uh, <laughs> Come on. You sound like a Mormon now. The, I mean, I don't know how it is in Utah, but as a rule, <laughs> they don't want to give one parent sole custody because it's but not it's still, it was just It was hurtful to just... Re- yeah. like, even the, everything Peter said was like, that's, they're not going to get it. They're just saying it. Like The fact that she was asking for it at a time when she already was keeping my son from me yeah. is very... So in the... That stopped when we got to go before, uh, like, uh, uh, whoever. And that's the only reason that that didn't continue on indefinitely. She wanted it to be completely up to her of when I got to see him. And if I hadn't lawyered up and forced someone else to, to make her do, uh, to be reasonable, she wouldn't have been. Yeah. And... Uh, she said things to me during that period of time when I was, I was begging her, please, can he spend the night at my house? Can my son sleep in my own house, please? And she told me that, that I had extreme mental and emotional problems and that she worries that they'll ooze onto Ethan. Uh, I forgot we didn't ever release that episode that we talked about that. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what it was. Um, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, but anyway, she said a bunch of shit. All that stuff still hurts. So everything today, with the schedule, with how I am, with how I defer to her in these text messages, it comes from a place of fear. Yeah, I'm afraid of of what she did last. I, it hurt, and I feel like she could do it at any time. But she can't. I feel like for she the can't. same reason that she had to stop when she was doing it last time. I'm not saying uh, or encouraging bringing the, uh, obviously I'm not big into the law or the government or involving a bunch of other people in my shit, but it is, you're in a legally bound contract that he is 50-50. And if, uh, that's it. So what I'm proposing in this scenario, when you tell the story because here's the thing in their head. It was, uh, I'm on your side, the stuff you said about um, Ethan and what he needed. I would say, what would a month have done? Because they did end up staying together and they live together now. So that month could have technically existed prior to them, you know, because once she had already introduced them and she obviously fell in love very fast. Um, she'd already introduced him and you then lock in to a thing with her where you want her to just stop hanging out with him. And I could see how that would be easily seen as just, and you're also heartbroken and still in love with her when this is happening. So I'm sure that those things were easily dismissed as not you arguing on Ethan's uh, behalf, but rather your own jealousy your own jealousy which when i hear you say it this way like obviously you are thinking about ethan but you couldn't hear all the jealousy i heard all my jealousy yeah but you're saying there's plenty of jealousy a huge thing of jealousy so if someone tells me i want you to do this but i can hear their actual reason for it i'm not going to feel obligated to Uh, consider their words when I can hear their real motive. And so this was the thing where your words were sincere and a good argument, but it's coming through this thing of jealousy, which at this point, 
She's watched you punch yourself in the face. She's received countless text messages and stuff about suicide and everything else. I think that they're probably behind the scenes was a lot of people telling her to, to start giving you boundaries. And I think for you, you just felt like you are the person that I talk to. You have been my best friend. You have been, I don't have another you to process this with. I'm, I have the loss of you, but I also have the loss of the person that I process loss with. So there was this, her needing to detach while you were spiraling out. And I think there was probably a lot of pain in her trying to navigate her uh, placing boundaries. She's also freshly in love with someone. And as much as that sucks, it was a very real experience for her. And while she's having this brand new love experience. Yeah, you can stop. You can stop. <laughs> uh, she's also. No, seriously, stop. <laughs> okay. Stop. Does everyone think I'm crazy? No. Do I sound? If everyone's going to listen to this podcast and be like, Aaron sounds no. fucking nuts. No, it's a very nuanced uh, situation. Um, it's just when it's this difficult, when it's this difficult of a situation, it's so hard to realize. Oh, you made me so sad. I made you sad. <laughs> You made me cry first. Yeah, you filled the room with it. Sorry about my sadness farts. But <laughs> Phil's, uh, um, silent but deadly. Uh, it just was, it was an extremely traumatic, painful, emotional experience for both of you. And the trauma was different. The pain was different and it's so hard to not just settle into your reality as the only reality. But the fact is that I'm not saying that she's a hundred percent a great person. I'm not saying that she doesn't make decisions according to her own, what's in her own best interest. But because she is doing that, of course she assumes that that's what you're doing. So she disregarded what she wrote. She did what she wanted and then wrote it into the script as this is what's in uh, his best interest. And then when you were heartbroken saying, I don't think you should do this because it's not in his best interest. It's not that she just disregarded you because you're nothing and she's evil. She just assumed that what you meant by it's not his best interest was this is just my jealous ex-husband trying to make me not have this experience. I mean, right I now. know, and it, well, it, it that and that hurts. That hurts. Just not just that's all. That's all I'm seen as. And like you used to love me, didn't you? You used to love me, and now you just think that I'm crazy. And everything that I say to you is just, oh, he's just so unhappy and mad that I'm happy and mad that uh, I'm in love. And um, I am. <laughs> I am. But, like, also, it just... I really hate thinking about the early days like every everything that led up to that, like I was saying when I was ranting, and that I wasn't, I was so much healthier at that time than when yeah. than a year prior, right? Um, when I think about how I was like in the early days when I was very suicidal and very, I think now it looks terrible. I think it looks really crazy, but I didn't know what else. I thought I was every at the time. It all felt pretty reasonable to me. Everything that I was doing, I was like, yeah, I know this isn't, uh, you know, ideal, but I'm just processing a loss here. Uh, yeah. It all felt really reasonable to me, but I feel like 
to her they just that that she just thought that I was uh an insane person. And but she was the person that I processed. She was the only friend that I had. I was very codependent. I didn't have any other friends that I talked to about th- this kind of shit. The only person who had ever seen me cry before it was her. Like she was the only person I felt comfortable crying in front of. And I want to cry all the time. So I want to cry with you, you know, and I want I want you to still love me. I want you to still talk to me. And I just couldn't she just seemed to switch gears so fast and seamlessly, so simple and easy. She was like this is over. It's done. And then moved on to the next guy. She just started dating right away and just was like I'll just move like everything seemed so easy for her. And I think it was because she had been thinking about leaving for two years and right. was coming to the conclusion. Like she was like spent two years not liking me or her life. And But for me, I thought everything was fine. And I was working really, really hard at our marriage and making sure that it was going to work. And then one day she was like, I'm leaving. And I was like, now? <laughs> what do you, don't you want to talk about this? <laughs> yeah. Don't you want to, should we do some therapy first? Should we uh, try, what, what would you like me to change? Everything? I'll change everything. Well, okay. You know, like I wanted to go through all of those motions. And she was already gone. She was already out the door. And it was a great lesson. Now, looking back uh, two years later, it's, I'm a different person who doesn't make other people responsible for his feelings. And, you know, I can sort through things out on my own, but it was a skill that I had to learn because I'd never done it. I had only ever worked through my feelings with her. And so, yeah, that was hard to let go of. The other... Here, uh... All right, well, I think I need a minute uh a break from you <laughs> i'm gonna go i'm just gonna go sadly jerk off in the bathroom <laughs> reset and we can come back and Ooh. do a part two of this all right so i mean i'm only gonna jerk off for a few minutes but <laughs> for ev- for all the listeners involved it's i feel like they're gonna think i'm in their mind, I'll be jerking off for a week. That's how the... And uh, you know what? I like that. I'm okay with that. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a really fun week for me. And uh, my dick's going to be real raw. Uh, <laughs> the start of the next episode. Thanks. <laughs> we'll catch you next time on Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together... This is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Jessica Reed are friends. Listen to them talking to Mike.